Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here, and I want to talk to you again about depression. So this is part two of depression, and I want to talk to you. I kind of listened to some of the last podcast and thought, you know, that's kind of like trying to drink out of a fire hose. You know, it was so much information and kind of a lot of theories. And I want to recap just a little bit and talk about some of that and then kind of go on a little further to back up some of those theories. And of course, everything I talk about, I back up in the Bible and I don't always mention every scripture and verse, but I've studied hard to be able to get to where I am to know what I believe. And I pray you're the same way that you've kind of backed these things up in scripture. First of all, we kind of talked about the medical model, you know, is like with alcoholism, you know, it's like it's a disease and you just kind of have this thing forever and you know disease has no cure and that you just have it. Well, I don't necessarily believe that with alcoholism. I do believe there is a cure. I believe God made us in a way that we can rehabilitate. I believe God made us in a way to where we are able to be able to be healed in Jesus name. And really it's a sin problem. It's deeper than just the symptom of the alcoholism. It's, it starts with a selfish problem. Of course, it then forms into a habit, but the medical model for depression is kind of like, and this isn't, I'm not saying that the doctors and the health professionals, the psychiatrists say this, but culture has kind of adopted this in the, in the realm of people that I've talked to and worked with that, you know, it's the medical model. I just have depression. My, my, either my brain is damaged or it doesn't quite work right. Or, you know, I don't have, you know, this dopamine, this serotonin, these neurotransmitters and all those things you talk about in depression. And, you know, I just kind of have have this, but you know, God took us and formed us out of dust and breathed breath into our body. And I believe that God knew what we needed. And I believe God knew that how to be able to fix us. And that's where I quoted Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, and apostle Paul said, take every thought captive. You know, he's talking about things in our mind, which do initially directly affect our brain. And so it's not like it starts with our brain and goes down, but I believe a a lot of times with the medical model, it really leaves out the spirit. And see, we can, they talk about the mind and the brain and the mind-brain connection. And they talk about choices, which is what I said. I agree. Change your choices that you're making. That's very important. Repentance is to turn and to turn away from sin and to change. And that's so important whenever you're dealing with depression. you got to stop making bad choices or you're going to be depressed. Your situation isn't going to change. But when you take and push the spirit out and don't even deal with the spirit, I think it is anemic, ignorant stance to depression. Well, I know that was a strong statement, but I think it just flies in the face of everything we should believe as Christians. But, you know, cultures kind of said, I'll let the church deal with the social issues and kind of a, go there to be entertained and, and have some worship, but then I'll go to a doctor or a psychiatrist and I'll deal with my depression. And not saying that that's not necessary at times to get medication and things. I go to a doctor, but I think Jesus Jesus gave us a map. He gave us a way to heal the brain and heal the body. Sure, sometimes we're left with sickness, but God has made us in a way to where we can be healed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not always instantaneous. That's one of the hard things. Sometimes it's line upon line, precept upon precept, here little, there little. That's where real change takes place. So we have the biological model. We have the medical model, basically, you know, biological meaning your brain and your neurotransmitters and your, your dopamine, your serotonin 
serotonin. And, and then, you know, your social things you can change through church, you know, through better choices. You know, those are things that are very important. And your psyche, you know, and don't be afraid of that word psychology. I know Christians are afraid of that word like, oh, I hope it's not psychology. Well, psychology is just simply the study of the mind, the mind, the will, and the emotions. That's what that is. And I don't have any problem talking about psychology. I think we should talk about that. I mean, it's thrown around so much in our culture, it's important. But I do have a problem when you only talk about psychology and don't pull the spirit into the soul. So see, as Christians, we believe as a triune being, I mentioned that in the last podcast, a triune being, you know, we are body, we are soul, we are spirit. And you cannot separate those three things and not affect the other one. So let me explain that just a little bit. You know, you can't eat all sugar and not have it affect your emotions, which is in your soul. Because that's your body-soul connection. And I, I know you cannot make horrible, horrible choices. Say you don't get out of bed one day, you don't get out of bed two days, then you lose your job, then you get fired, and then you don't have no lights, then you don't have no electricity, then you stop eating right. Well, that's going to affect your body, but also it's going to affect your soul because it's going to discourage you. But at salvation, when we acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and repent of our sin, then our spirit is made whole. The Holy Spirit comes to live with us, and then He is our spirit. And that spirit, that spirit man, affects every other every other part of the human being, which is your body, your soul. That's the whole idea. You can't talk about depression without talking about the spirit of man. And I think a lot of times that's what gets shoved off the end of the table. You know, like I said, we go talk to people in the health professional world and they kind of take the spirit and just push it off the edge of the table and they just deal with the body, the chemicals, you know, and the social activities. But rarely will they address the sin. We know that it's not good to be an alcoholic and a town drunk. We know that. How do I know that? Well, let me back it up. Romans chapter 2 verses 14 and 15 says that the law of God was written on our hearts. That's the key. So there was a moral law. And that all has everything to do. When I went back and listened to the last podcast, I realized, well, I better establish that. I have to believe the Word of God. I believe what the Bible says. And I believe the law of God's written on our heart. There's no way you can't believe that and be a Christian. By the way, I have a hard time even someone not being a Christian believing that because if there's no moral law, then what, what's this whole thing about? And you don't believe in a moral law, then what's right and what's wrong? I mean, that's deep down in the person. See, that's so important. We can't make immoral decisions go against the nature that God gave us to be able to be producers, to be able to be caregivers, to be able to be providers, to be able to be lovers. We can't go against that and just say, oh, well, it's not going to hurt us because we're going against nature and going against the nature that God give us means we're going against God. And how we shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That's what the apostle Paul said in Romans chapter six, when he said, how can we see we can't continue in sin? And that leads to depression. If I keep doing something I know I shouldn't be doing, it can actually damage the brain. It can damage your body. You will lead to depression. You can have the perfect brain and the perfect chemicals, but if you keep going against what you know to do is right, then there'll be, you'll have to have something to cope. I mean, you'll have to have some alcohol. You'll have to have some drugs. You'll have to have some improper relationship to try to kick off dopamine or to get more serotonin. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, I know those. that's a a broad way to say it, but a foundation is our values. See, you have a lot 
of people talk about thoughts, and thoughts are so important. And I've done a, a series on thinking, but it is deeper than that. It's deeper than just what you think. You know, I quoted last time, the Bible says, so a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But where do those thoughts come from? Well, let's back up. Where do emotions come from? Well, emotions come from thoughts. Where do our thoughts come from? Well, they just fall inside of us, right? We just have, well, no, we know it doesn't. Thoughts don't just fall inside of us. Thoughts are actually a byproduct or a secondary action of our values. So our thoughts come from our values. So if we've been abused as a child, if we've been loved as a child, our perceptions are it's a safe world or it's not a safe world. Well, those are our values. So it is a safe world. It's okay. I'm okay. Everyone else is okay. You know, we're okay. You know, I may have been through some trauma, but I still have parents that love me. Now, all of a sudden, I'm a young man, and all of a sudden, I live in a world where the world's kind of okay. But if you're in an abusive home, and every time you turn around, you get your head cracked open, then probably you're either not okay, or they're not okay, or neither one of you are okay. Now, you're a young man. You say, man, I'm not an okay person in a not okay world. See, those perceptions came from what the experiences you went through, what you walked through. And that's so important because that's really where you form your values and your belief systems. And that's where I said about lies. Those lies that the devil sows in deep into our spirit are deep down in your soul, in your spirit, in your beliefs, in your values. And it's so important that we take everything we know. See, it doesn't matter the family we were raised in. I've never met and never will meet a family that's not dysfunctional. Even the greatest families have their amount of dysfunction, you know, and we are dysfunctional people because we're in a fallen world. But we got to take every all those perceptions through life and all those lies and all those ideas. And we need to take everything in light of the word of God. And if it's not true, we need to disown it. We need to say that's a lie. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to form us and to show us this isn't a horrible world with no hope. There is hope. The Bible gives us hope. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. I'm not stuck in addiction. I'm not stuck just being depressed. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can live the abundant life. See, that's deeper than how I feel. That's a knowing. And as I attach to God and disattach from the world and those views that I had growing up to dethrone everything, bring it in the light of God, you know, we got to take the word of God because it's a light into our path, a lamp into our feet. And I encourage you. That's what I'm talking about with depression. That's what I'm talking about with these other disorders like anxiety. It starts with the values of the corporate person. And the core person is the spirit of God living inside of you in light. And you have to comply with that spirit, with your will. Do you know that you have the strength in your being to shut God down? Now you can't arm wrestle God and win. He'll body slam you. Amen. But you cannot comply with what God's trying to do. When he says, turn to me, when he says, don't sin, when he says, don't live a life of a drunkard, when he says, don't live a life of a homosexual, but we can't stay in that relationship and continue in and go, okay, I want to have peace in my soul and I want to be happy because we'll have to self-medicate one way or the other if we continue in sin that grace may abound or we'll just have to simply harden our hearts and say, God, I'm not going to do it your way. Hey, I love homosexuals. I love drunkards. I love drug addicts. I love them. I was a drunkard. I, I better love them. But I'm telling you, friends, we have to be careful that we don't fall into this trap that there's no law of God written on our heart. He says, even the 
heavens declare the work of your hands. I'm glad someone loved me when I was unlovable, that the church reached out and loved me. And by the way, the God of heaven reached out and loved me because the Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not that we don't love, we do love. So we tell the truth built on values and the word of God. Friends, we can't medicate ourselves out of a place of a sin-sick soul. It's impossible. How do I know? Because I tried it. I tried it for 15 years to continue in sin, and I had to self-medicate. And through the Word of God, you can see it. They call it hardened hearts. We're not picking on any certain group. I'm not picking certainly on any certain group. But we have to know if you've turned to God and you've turned from your sin, then I'll tell you what, friends, you should see more joy. You should see more happiness, not instantaneous every time. And sometimes God works on people slower than others. But there's got to be a time you go back and say, I I began working with that sin. Some people would say, yeah, but we all sin. Sure we do, but the Bible commands that we're not to be controlled by sin. It's one thing to sin. We're all going to sin. Every day we're going to sin, but I'm not controlled by sin anymore. And I darn sure want to be careful of allowing sin into my life and make an excuse. But see, culture will tell us, don't worry about it. Have another one, buddy. Man, there's other people worse. I mean, that's culture. That's not God. You know, I don't know anybody that wants to be a horrible person, but I know some pretty bad people. You know, God's ways work. And when we get things right from the spirit up, getting right with God up, I've seen people change myself and you'll begin to see things lift. And we keep praying for people to be recovered, to be restored, to be transformed. A moral law is written on our hearts that we cannot push against. You can't get away from it. And the moral law, guess what it means if there's a moral law for a lot of the atheists out there that believe there's a moral law. Most of them do. They don't believe in God, believe in a moral law, well, then where'd it come from? Guess what? A moral law come from a moral law giver. You can't have a moral law unless you have a moral law giver. Some people, they don't mind feeling bad. They got a reason to self-medicate. They don't mind trauma. They don't mind disorder. Why would they change the disorder? Because they got the disorder, so they got a reason to self-medicate. Now, I'm sorry if that seems harsh, but I do know a few people like that. They don't ever set any boundaries in their life and change anything because eventually they wouldn't have any excuse to self-medicate. And sometimes depression is embraced. Do you know that depression is just inward anger? You know, people say, I don't understand depression. I don't understand. Well, do you understand anger? You know, usually you either have a tendency to get either angry or get depressed. And all depression is, is just inward anger. It's just looking inwardly and then not releasing the anger or not doing anything with the anger and turning all your anger in on yourself and abusing yourself. God does not want us to be angry with ourselves and to inflict harm on ourselves. And the more of the self-talk that we do, we're stupid, we're no good, we're broken. Suicide is a second leading cause to teens up to 25-year-old. The devil has done his job well to convince people that they're stupid, there's no hope, and they're broken, and there's no way out except for suicide. God help us. The devil is a liar. We are not hopeless. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have hope in changing our life and seeing change. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. Until next time, God bless.